check out your circles and think what went wrong because you're going to be wrong. Everybody is wrong. What's important is to be wrong well, okay? Do good mistakes. Good mistakes are mistakes that let you learn. So the mistake is not so big to be a disaster. It's still a mistake, but you learn from it. And if you do that every day, and you check between what you've planned and what you've done, at some point in time, you have learned. Mm. And you are going to see that you're going to plan and more or less do exactly what you have planned, which is something rewarding. You end the day, you say, okay, I got my most important thing done. Yes, well done. I'm Ren McDonald, and this is The Hope Initiative a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, or I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello and welcome to The Hope Initiative. My name is Rin MacDonald. Thank you so much for joining me for what is episode number 90 with Hugo Mendez Donnelly. Hugo and I are strangers or strangers before this conversation. We were introduced via a friend, Jody Habrad, who I don't think has met Hugo in person either, but the magic of Twitter and the internet making the world small is, yeah, absolutely magical. And this conversation, I was able to tap into some of that magic from Hugo, who has lived a colorful life. We chat destiny, uh, the revolution won't be televised, one's ability to make mistakes, and what he's up to now in life, making plans and being wrong well. It was a fabulous conversation, one I really needed to have at the time. It's funny how that tends to happen, so I hope you guys get something out of it. Thanks again to Ugo for his time. Please enjoy. Ugo Mendez Donelli, welcome to The Hope Initiative. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so proud to be your guest. You're, you're welcome, mate. It's a pleasure to have you. We are recording today via Zoom. It's, uh, it's nice and early in the morning for me here on Wednesday, the 3rd of August. What time and whereabouts are you calling in from? It's, uh, I'm calling in from Milano in uh, northern Italy. And uh, here it is uh, um, the center of summer. We have... Uh, quite some heat over here <laughs> and it's uh, half past nine p.m amazing so eight hours difference 5 30 in the morning here for me in cold middle of winter melbourne australia but i love it i love that we're able to connect like this we've been chatting for a few minutes now we were introduced by a mutual friend via twitter jody habrad who was kind enough to introduce us and I've followed you on Twitter now probably for a few months. She actually mentioned you as being someone who I should talk to, yeah, months ago. But uh, we only lined this up in the last few weeks. So I'm really excited to be able to pick your brain today. I've seen you've got a couple of, of websites and business things, but I haven't read too much into them because I like just learning in the moment. So you may know sort of what I, what I like to do with my first question, because you listened to that episode where I interviewed Jody as well. When she was a stranger to me, she's now a very good friend. I'd consider her a very good friend. But 
for you, Hugo, I would love to start with your earliest memory, if you could, from maybe it's childhood, maybe, you know, you know how far, how far back we can go. And if you can bring us forward, explaining some important moments in your life to present day, August 2022, but I like to set a bit of a time limit, <laughs> three to four minutes. I'm not going to cut you off. But share with me, yeah, the things that stand out when I ask you that question, starting with that earliest memory. Over to you. So I think that a good approach could be to do this together. Sure. This is because uh, it's a long journey. Mm. (laughs) 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 And my first memory starts uh, from uh, the UK Mm -hmm. in... uh, I think it was uh, 1976 when uh, I was living there as a kid. I was uh, six years old Mm. and I was uh, watching the BBC and uh, uh, seeing uh, the the Beatles uh, sing on the BBC, which (laughs) was uh, quite something. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. (laughs) <laughs> what song? What song were they singing? Do you remember? I I don't re- I yes. Sergeant Pepper. Yes. Ah yeah yeah. Sergeant Pepper. And uh yes, I think it was 76. And I, I also remember that I had a, a video game, one of the first video game ever, which was Pong. Okay. So you, you you uh did plug the stuff into the TV. I don't remember exactly why. <laughs> you have those two sticks that uh, and a, uh, a white uh, dot representing the ball going, going from one side to the other. Mm. That, that I remember well. <laughs> Beautiful. So you're in the UK at the age of six. I was in the UK at the age of six. Yeah. And at the age of seven, I... Uh, Eight, I came back to Italy, mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to speak Italian. Mm. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? How old were you when you went to the UK? Were you? Uh, I was five. Okay. I was five, and uh, it was uh, on the southern part of uh, the uh, of England near the Channel. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, witnessed uh, to uh, all the uh, British stuff, even uh, cars uh, getting stuck uh, because of the tide. <laughs> People got drunk at the pub <laughs> and forgot to move the car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a funny time. Yeah, I bet. And <laughs> this is when uh, the, one of the first uh, memories I have and uh, then I came back to Italy, had to uh, relearn Italian from scratch, <laughs> which wasn't funny. <clears throat> and uh, so I went on with my uh, standard Italian life uh, until uh, I got uh, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I went to live uh, in Milan alone because my family did live uh, in another town in Italy, not not far away, mm-hmm. for uh, studying engineering. Mm-hmm. So I studied engineering at uh, nearby here in Milan, mm-hmm. at Polytechnic of Milan, 
And uh, at the time, the uh, education in university was a bit different. So it didn't cost us, in Italy, it doesn't cost a lot. It's not a big investment uh, money-wise. But it's a big investment uh, in effort because uh, it was very, very selective. Mm. So imagine that uh, the first day of university uh, with my mates, uh, we were more or less 250. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the uh, people who uh, could go through all, all the, uh, uh, the path and uh, got at the end, we were 25. Wow. So it's one, it's a decimation, one mm-hmm. uh, each 10. And just to explain to the uh, audience, uh, it's really a selection um, path. So nobody will ever tell you, no, uh, we don't want you to see you ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but people just quit. They wow. quit uh, during the path. Yeah, because they say, no, I can't do it. Sorry, it's too hard, wow. too hard. Yeah, that's what happened. Okay. And um, I spent part of the university time working, mm-hmm. working uh, on a shop floor of a um, semiconductor factory. Mm-hmm. So I uh, spent, uh, in general, my uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights, 10 hours and 10 hours uh, in this factory, uh, wow. making uh, microchips, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, at the age of like 18, 19, sort of. Uh, yes, yes, so oh. on. From uh, 18, let's say uh, 20 on, mm-hmm. 20 years old on. Yeah. Uh, it was quite an experience uh, yeah. and to, to work with uh, some fancy equipment. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and then uh, I, uh, I graduated as a, a mechanical engineer mm-hmm. and I started to work as a mechanical engineer in a company that made uh, um, transmission for uh, agricultural equipment, mm-hmm. which is uh, something uh, a bit special. Mm. And in this uh, business I used, uh, uh, which was new, it was a new business of this company. Mm-hmm. I used to uh, open up uh, the factory, talk to the workers, uh, organize everybody, and then at the end of the day, close the factory and go home. <laughs> so I uh, started to work uh, to, to get out of the house uh, around uh, quarter to six mm-hmm. a.m. and come back at uh, eight in the evening. Oh. And I lasted eight months. <laughs> <laughs> Still good effort, I think. Hard work yeah, at that age. Yeah, I, I did quit uh, when uh, the uh, I had uh, uh, nine bosses because it's a family-owned business. Mm. So it was the founder, his wife, his uh, son, uh, the uncle, everybody was the boss over there. Mm. It was anyway uh, a middle-sized company that sold... Uh, its equipment in uh, 40 countries, so not uh, ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, they started asking someone to to do something that they thought was dangerous. And I said, no, you're not going to do this uh, while I am in charge for (laughs) as an engineer for production because I don't want anybody to die. 
Yeah. And uh, the uncle said, this is my company, Hugo, fuck off. And I said, it's his life. So fuck off yourself. <laughs> wow. I'm going to quit and I quit. Integrity. That's good. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I was crazy. <laughs> but anyway. Well, if it's someone's so, life life in, in danger, I don't think that's crazy. Yeah. It sounds like they might have been a bit, bit crazy, but there you go. Good stuff. It's uh, it was uh, a reckless situation, so I didn't accept that. Mm. So I, I was uh, so quickly unemployed, <laughs> <laughs> and I came back uh, to now who is my wife and told her, "Look, Filomena, I quit the job." <laughs> <laughs> the company I wanted to work for mm-hmm. and then I started uh, harassing uh, the head of the uh, human resources <laughs> uh, breaking her balls every day <laughs> <laughs> and so at the end <clears throat> after I think it was uh, f- five uh, interviews with different people inside the company at the end, they uh, gave me the job out of desperation because they said, if we don't hire him, he's going uh, to never stop harassing us. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hire him. But what happened? There was no, no vac- vacancy in the uh, engineering department. Mm-hmm. So they told me, look, Hugo, uh, we are going to try this. I see in uh, your experiences that you uh, can write uh, a couple of programming languages. One is C, C++, uh, and uh, I think it was Visual Basic. So we have uh, some need uh, in the software department. Our company is a company of... uh, uh, technical consulting, so they uh, are consultant about technical matters, not economic. Mm-hmm. And I started like that, uh, and then I continued, I think, uh, for 10 years, uh, writing first, writing software, then managing a team, then being uh, a, a project manager with uh, profit and loss uh, responsibility. Mm-hmm. was um, I went to work every day. I was happy. It was <laughs> great. Yeah, look, I get bored easily. But when you are on something, uh, some of the things that I did, uh, one was uh, uh, crafting a simulator for a high-speed train. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the, the, uh, the goal was to take off the... Um, Central, uh, um, how can you call this? It's the command and control uh, device of the train. Mm-hmm. Couple it with the computer, and the computer uh, uh, pretends to be the rest of the train. Mm. So the, the the central command and control device uh, doesn't know the difference. Mm. This enables the company to test. Uh, uh, all, all the, the workings of the uh, high-speed train uh, without having the actual train, and then do maintenance when there are some problems, because one of those for, uh, was for Czechoslovakia, for instance. Mm-hmm. So you are in Italy, uh, from a French company, the biggest builder of trains on, on the planet. 
and you want to see what went wrong, you have this device and you can do it. Wow. And it was a big thing because uh, it took me, I think, uh, more than 12 months. I had to dig into, I, I just don't want to say how much uh, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Some of it was also shitty, so <laughs> but it was super fun because at the end, um, one of the great satisfaction of being an engineer is that you think something, you you think it through, and then when you are done, it's it's there. You can see it. Okay, mm. it, it's uh, something tangible. Mm. Huh? Beautiful. So I I did uh, stuff like that. Uh, I don't know um, telecommunication for uh, high speed trains, uh, uh, domotics uh, for a big uh, uh, white goods company. Um, strange stuff, strange stuff, very funny. When I traveled over Italy, yeah. it was super nice, super nice. I was looking forward to get out of the house and go to work. <laughs> it was great. That's a, it's a nice, nice spot to be in, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. On one side, I was lucky. On the other side, I was, uh, how can I say, I wanted that. I wanted it. I, I reached for it, okay. <laughs> mm. You created it yourself, right? I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, I did that. <laughs> and um, at the end, I changed a company and I went to work uh, for another company where I was uh, responsible for research and development. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had uh, a bunch of people uh, to, to, to follow. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked uh, in the morning with the Indians, <laughs> during the day with the Italians and Italian universities, and in the evening uh, with uh, the uh, Americans, uh, North Americans, and American universities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was fun. And uh, when I was working there, I uh, did an invention. Mm -hmm. So there's a patent with my name on it and my uh, one of my uh, people who worked with me yeah. about uh, inspecting tires, you know, the tires for the cars, mm -hmm. with an X-ray device, which is uh, uh, very, very innovative. Very innovative. Nice yeah, yeah. So what, it, it, it checks to make sure the tire's not going not gonna to burst? Not going to... Yes, because with X-rays... Uh, you can see the uh, um, iron threads that are inside the, the tire mm. and uh, check them when the tire is finished so that there is no, no, no thread that is broken or uh, that is twisted in the wrong way. Mm. And the machine was able to uh, uh, make uh, assessment of the uh, defects automatically. Mm -hmm. uh, grade the, the, the tire, say this is a first grade tire, second grade, or is uh, something that has to be uh, thrown away. Yeah. Stuff like that. Important. Very important, I'm sure. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at some point, I had a, a beautiful daughter, my daughter. Nice. And I was fired. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> was horrible because it was in 2009 mm. and 2009 no matter your experience your cv nobody was uh, willing to hire you 
because mm. of the crisis. Yep. And uh, this was the financial crisis. You mean? Around, yeah, yeah, exactly. Around that time, yeah. So it was a, a big deal, a very, very big deal. Mm. So no income, wife, daughter, just uh, I think she was uh, six or seven months old. Wow. A nightmare. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, and during this time, I met a friend. This friend uh, and I wanted to... Uh, uh, put up a company and we were uh, doing so trying to, to put up uh, uh, a web-based um, application about real estate mm -hmm. we toured uh, all the VCs of uh, Europe in Switzerland in the UK and so on mm -hmm. But they didn't want to give us the 20 million uh, that we were asking. 20 million? Serious, <laughs> serious real estate company app. Wow. Sorry. That's a, sounds yeah. like a serious, a serious web app for real estate that you were looking to do. Yeah. 20 million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yes, um, mainly most of it was for marketing mm -hmm. because uh, it's stuff, uh, the, the software uh, is not so complicated, but anyway. Sure. But uh, from there, I uh, started my own company. And with my associate, we started another company. One was about digital advertising. Mm -hmm. And the other one, uh, which I had the majority, was about uh, uh, innovative business models. Mm -hmm. Because while I was uh, trying to understand how to build a company, I was uh, like a, a good engineer looking for the manual. Hmm. Okay. You are an engineer. How do you learn stuff? You read the manual. <laughs> <laughs> and so, trying to find the manual for building a company, in which I never found, mm. I stumbled upon an excellent book. The title is Business Model Generation mm. by a Swiss man whose name is Alexander Osterwalder. Mm -hmm. And uh, it uh, hit me like, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, like a stone in the face. <laughs> <laughs> was so wonderful, so wonderful mm. that uh, I started to write about it on my uh, uh, website, the old version of my website. Yeah. I started to write about how this uh, new approach to business model was going to save us all. Remember, it was uh, just after the, the crisis. Yeah. And uh, I was met uh, with... Uh, uh, the feedback was, Hugo, we already know what business plans are. And I said, no, it's not a business plan. A business model is different. Oh, Hugo, we don't need that. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah yeah i spent uh, i don't know how much time and effort trying to make people understand uh, that this stuff was new uh, something very exciting and so on mm. so um after that uh, an italian publisher called me and uh, and told me uh, look hugo it looks like the only person talking about this stuff it is you Mm -hmm. We have acquired the rights for this book. Mm -hmm. We want to make an Italian translation. 
can you please help us with the technical editing, checking that everything is correct in our translation, and so on? I said yes. Mm. So my name uh, uh, is on the book <laughs> and my website group wow. is Italian. Yeah. And uh, this has started a whole new uh, life for me mm. because people started to call me to teach uh, business model innovation companies and stuff like that. Mm. And the publisher called me for uh, uh, editing and uh, following uh, through with other innovation books mm -hmm. and in the end uh, I uh, did the technical editing of three important books uh, and uh, the translation of a fourth which I completely translated myself wow and this is more or less uh, near to the present but okay. there is another uh, step to do <laughs> still <clears throat> sure well, thank so, you. Thank you for sharing all that you have so far. I appreciate it. I told you it, it would be a long story. No, no, it's, anyway. it's perfect. What happened is while I was doing that and while I was translating the last book by a very, very important uh, um, innovation uh, uh, representative uh, who was one of the ones uh, who started even the word innovation. It was uh, him with uh, another one whose name is Gary Emel that you don't know because it's people who who come really from uh, the past of the, the starting of the innovation. Mm. His um, excellent person name is uh, Rowan Gibson, an Englishman. Mm -hmm. And his book was uh, Four Lenses of Innovation, which is a, a great uh, system for uh, creativity. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting, very useful and easy to remember, which is a, a, a big plus. The Four Lenses of Innovation, is that the name of the book? Yeah, mm -hmm. yes, by this guy, Rowan, Rowan Gibson. Yep. And uh, so I became friends with him mm -hmm. and I wanted to bring him to Italy. Mm. So I had a relationship uh, with... Uh, uh, a big bank, a big Italian bank, the sixth bank in Italy. Yeah. And they have this very, very big arena where uh, they uh, put up uh, events uh, with writers, with, uh, they make uh, some culture over there. And I told them, look, why won't we invite uh, Rowan Gibson to talk about this? This is uh, something very valuable. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, let's do it, Hugo, and so on. Mm. So, I worked uh, with them for six months, mm -hmm. uh, trying to, to to fill the gap. You know, a guy like uh, this one, Rowan Gibson, one day of his work uh, is uh, more than uh, $50,000. Wow. Okay? Not, not uh, peanuts. <laughs> also, yeah. Also, you have to organize everything, have uh, ambulances, security, and all this stuff is complicated. Yep. So we started up all this stuff, uh, um, thinking about how to sell tickets for the event and so on. But uh, halfway through, the bank uh, saw this project as something that was uh, foreign, like a virus. Right? And so, <coughs> so it expelled myself, uh, Rowan Gibson, and everything as we, <laughs> as invaders. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> was a total failure. So I worked uh, six, nine months for nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and then uh, it was around uh, 2017. I also fell from the skateboard. Oh. And yeah, yeah. And I displaced my, uh, uh, yes, the right shoulder, the left shoulder I broke. Wow. So it, it was displaced. So I couldn't work. Mm. My project was dead, stuff like that. And uh, after, uh, let's say, a couple of weeks of this situation, mm -hmm. I began to feel uh, that I wasn't able to do anything. So mm. it, only to move the pen <laughs> started to be a big effort, you see? Yeah. So I understood that I had uh, um, a burnout. Mm. Mm? Mm. And that was very, very bad because uh, I tried, I can't accept to have a burnout myself because uh, if I don't work, I don't eat, my wife doesn't eat, my daughter doesn't eat, it's, uh, it's heavy. Of course. It's uh, tough stuff. So I didn't accept it and I tried uh, sleeping, so having rest, trying to rest a lot, see if something uh, happens. Nothing. Mm. I contacted uh, um, someone who was specialized uh, in uh, sport nutrition. So this uh, friend of mine told me, oh, God, this guy, he's uh, uh, very good and so on. Try this. I tried nothing. And it was uh, despairing, you see. I say, come on, I'm not getting out of this shit. <laughs> it was bad. Mm. But since I am a guy who, who never surrenders in the end, okay, I tried uh, everything, everything, everything. And in the end, I could uh, overcome this situation. And this is where my stuff about time management comes from, mm. okay? Mm. Because what I, I had to do with time management uh, all my life, I was certified uh, uh, project management professional from the Project Management Institute, which is not uh, so easy to do, you know? Yeah. It's tough stuff. Okay? Yeah. But all, all those time management uh, approaches uh, only uh, look at the uh, cognitive uh, aspect of the thing so how to get organized mm. what to do first and so on uh, write down your stuff stuff like this mm. but my understanding after having this experience was different it was what you should do is manage your body because if your body is not okay you're going nowhere <laughs> there's no way this is the foundation. Yeah. So first of all, manage your body, manage your energy, your bodily energy, really how you feel if you are uh, tired, if you are energetic, and so on. Second, manage your emotions. Because if your body is okay, but let's say uh, you fall in love, you are not going to be so productive. <laughs> <laughs> or you are angry, or uh, you feel uh, 
some strong feeling, it's not going to let you enough space for focusing on tasks and doing stuff that. Mm. And only at the last level you find uh, the uh, cognitive situation, which is important, but it comes last. Mm. So you have to be okay with the, the bottom, the, the, the lowest uh, parts of the ladder as uh, you are simply out of business. Mm? Mm. And so I did this stuff that maybe you have seen, uh, this um, planner mm. with the circles. Yeah. And this is one part, uh, is the cognitive part uh, of, uh, of the system that I, uh, I, I have put together, okay? Mm. Uh, but it's only a small part. And uh, all my approach about this stuff is, uh, I, I would uh, describe it as holistic. Mm. So, what I find uh, suboptimal is uh, when we are talking about humans, is mm. having uh, a reductionist approach, mm-hmm. where uh, you take the human and uh, uh, divide it into subunits, try to understand the subunits and try to put it all together to see if you can explain the human. Yeah. But to me, uh, I think it doesn't work. I may be wrong, but I think it doesn't work. Yeah. And so today, what I'm doing is still consulting about um, business strategy, innovation in business, uh, business models, uh, and innovation of business models, and stuff like this. Mm. But now I have also this thing about... uh, um, Let's call it time management. It's not uh, exactly correct, but anyway. Sure. This is the website one at a time that you have in your bio, right? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Nice. Very interesting, man. Thank you for taking me through not only that, but all that you you have thus far. It's it's interesting to hear you recount parts of your life even something, you know, as, as bad as maybe a skateboard accident where you, you know, shatter your shoulders in, in some cases, it leads you to, you know, different things. Love to hear that you were skateboarding in your late 40s as well. <laughs> Was it late, for, late 40s? Yeah, if my maths is correct. I am, uh, I will be 52 mm. this year. Yeah. Yeah, so about five years ago, yeah, late, late 40s. Amazing. So, I don't skateboard anymore. No? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. So I would love to go back if we can and I would love to hear a little bit more about your early life. You mentioned being in the UK at the age of five. Could you maybe start there and explain why you were in the UK? Were you with your, your mum and your dad? Did you have siblings? Why did they... Why did they take you from, from Italy to, to the UK, to England? Yes. So my father is Italian and my mother is French. Mm. My father for, um, I don't know, uh, a series of uh, uh, lucky situations, 
he is he was working for IBM, International Business Machines. Mm-hmm. Okay, at the time was uh, quite uh, some company. Yeah, and uh, it was customary for them to have their uh, employees uh, to uh, leave for some time in another country and uh, work with people from a different country in a, in a different plant far uh, from their home. Of course. And uh, so uh, my father, my middle brother, and my little brother and my mother, we went all uh, to live uh, in uh, southern UK mm. near this uh, IBM plant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So two two brothers. Oh, sorry, brother sister. No, no, two brothers. Oh, two brothers. Two males. Two males. I'm the eldest, like you. Oh, oh amazing! <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So your your father works for IBM. Your French mother. No. Yeah. What did she What did she do? Was she looking after you? Did she have a job at the time? At the time, she didn't have any job. Mm-hmm. My father worked for IBM for. 25, 26 years. Yeah. Then uh, he graduated, he uh, went to university again mm-hmm. and became a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he started consulting uh, companies about uh, organization, wow. uh, building on what he learned in IBM and coupling this uh, with the uh, uh, psychology uh, mm. The stuff that he learned, yeah, right, and uh, and now he's uh, uh, how do you call that? Uh, on um, he's no longer working. He's uh, seventy-eight. Yeah, retired. Yes, he's retired. Yeah, more or less. More or less, still, more still less probably retired. keeping keeping himself busy with something. I'm sure. See, he's keeping himself uh, busy with uh, some land that he's got uh, here in northern Italy where uh, people make melons. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean like watermelons or things like this? Yeah, yeah, melons. The, the standard melons, uh, orange inside. I don't know how you call that in English. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Very nice. So growing up then, you had this strong male influence it seems like he worked in somewhat a similar field whether it's technology was interested in the mind and helping people develop personally and professionally Mm. was was your father someone you you looked to and wanted to emulate were you aware that you wanted to to sort of do in a way maybe similar work or 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 what did you think (laughs) no not at all. <laughs> at the end, no. Look, I, I was exposed uh, to computers when I was very young. Mm. So the first computer that I touched uh, was, I think, uh, um, 8086, the mm. model of the microchip yeah. with uh, floppies like that. Big floppy disk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with... Uh, uh, DOS uh, 622, okay. uh, the operating system. Yeah. But um, my passion was uh, all in uh, mechanical engineering, which uh, I did love. 
Yeah. And I did study because I wanted to, because uh, my father actually would have preferred me to be uh, an economist. Yeah. So we fought a lot about that. Oh, wow. Had a big fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and only by chance it happened that I ended up uh, in uh, software. Yeah. Uh, that's... Uh, and my father always hated software. He did, he had to do it, but he hated it. Yeah, right. And um, what I do now as a consultant is uh, a bit different because I am uh, into strategy and not much uh, into people. Mm-hmm. So now with the time management stuff, this too is an accident because I fell from the skateboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> And uh, and so, what do you want? Did you try to escape your destiny, but uh, your destiny catches you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Try to escape your destiny, but it catches you. Very good. I mean, on that, I could ask a bit about what your what your brothers got into. Do they work mm-hmm. in similar fields? Are they completely different? So my brothers are in completely different uh, uh, fields. Uh, my middle brother studied uh, engineering in biomedical, engineering, mm-hmm. biomedical. Mm-hmm. And he worked uh, for some of the most important biomedical companies on the planet in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. One of them was uh, Medtronic. Mm-hmm. And then for uh, a series of, uh, how can I say, lucky events uh, or unlucky events, uh, it depends how you watch it. <laughs> he started working for uh, Philip Morris, uh, the uh, tobacco company okay. in Switzerland. And then he was fired. Mm. And now he is working uh, for uh, a, um, a drug company. Mm-hmm. pharmaceutical company. Okay. My, my uh, youngest brother uh, did um, tens of different uh, jobs. Yeah. Until uh, he landed uh, onto a company who makes uh, heating for homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is technical parts for heating for homes. And now he's uh, happily... Uh, selling this stuff uh, all over uh, northern uh, Italy, and he's very happy about it and uh, very successful. Beautiful. That's nice. So all of you working, I mean, you say, yeah, separate fields, but I, I can see, I mean, your, your middle brother starting out in the, in the engineering for bio, biomechanical is somewhat similar, I think, to your, your engineering roots. But it's, it's cool. It's cool to hear you recount that. So... Back to focusing on you then. You mentioned at 18, you were working in this job that had a lot of, like the family company. And you ultimately lasted eight months working, yeah, long hours. But it was that point where they wanted to ultimately compromise someone's safety that you were like, no, this, this, isn't, this isn't okay. That's, I think, takes a lot of balls at a young age to stand up to two bosses and, and do that. But you're making a face now. It's almost like I had to, I had to do it. It was the, the right thing to do. Could you, yeah, maybe explain that a little bit more. So, you know, that uh, I, I worked on the shop floor 
mm-hmm. of a microelectronic company, which in Italy was uh, and is still in Europe one uh, uh, of uh, the important microelectronics company. It's called uh, now the name is ST Microelectronics. Okay. And uh, they have uh, um, a very, very, very deep uh, security and safety culture. They are very professional. Yeah. So imagine that uh, I was working in an environment uh, where I had to do with uh, some very dangerous uh, substance, like uh, some uh, acids, like nitric nitric acid, mm-hmm. like uh, with uh, cyanide vapor. Not sure yeah. of that one. I haven't heard of that, but okay. It's it's a substance that is uh, super venomous and it smells uh, like uh, uh, almonds. Mm. And if you uh, breath this, you're going to die immediately. Wow. Straight away. Yeah. Fuck. And uh, sulfuric acid yep. at high, high concentration, like uh, 97%. Wow. This stuff is a bomb mm. and uh, alcohol and other stuff. So, um, imagine that you were dressed uh, all white, completely covered with uh, special boots, with masks, uh, goggles, yep. because I, I worked in an environment where only one particle of dust was allowed in 16 liters of air. Wow. It was a class zero environment. In normal air, you have uh, uh, 25 million particles of dust in the same amount of air, okay? Wow. So imagine during the night uh, wearing this stuff. And so I think I, I uh, also internalized uh, some of the, th- of the stuff that I learned there. Mm. And uh, when I saw in, in the, fact, the other factory, mechanical factory, what they were trying to do, so try to, to bypass a, uh, a procedure because they didn't have uh, the uh, equipment necessary, but with someone who was in an unsafe position, mm. very unsafe. It, it was not uh, guaranteed that he would uh, harm, okay? Mm. But this was not the way to do this job, I know this. Yeah. And uh, I told the boss, look, uh, you, you know everybody in, in this area in uh, 20 kilometers, huh? And for sure, there is someone who has the machine that can do this uh, operation safely. So please don't do it. And uh, then I started to fight uh, with this guy who was double my age. But, uh, you know, uh, the the, the error that people made was to let me take responsibility of this uh, small plant, Mm. actually, where I was opening it. Okay, it was me. It was not him who opened uh, the factory every morning. Mm. It was me who talked to the workers, uh, organized with them, made coffee for everybody, uh, choose uh, when to produce what, when, how, uh, uh, for what reason, uh, make the bottom line at the end of the day and close the plant. So yeah. <laughs> when you give uh, a young guy this responsibility, after eight months, uh, the guy says, look, uh, what's going to happen here? I decide because it's me who opens. Yeah. It's me who closes. Yeah. It's me who answers the customers. It's me who make uh, modification, call uh, 
the suppliers and tell them to take back their shit because it's not uh, <laughs> uh, it's not uh, what we agreed upon and so on. So it's normal. Amazing. They, so you you really took that responsibility because how old were you at this point? You're like twenty, quite young. No, 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 no. Look, eighteen, uh, twenty-five. Oh, okay, 25. little little bit older, but still, I think quite young. Like I'm I'm twenty-nine now. I've had some important, I think, roles, a lot of responsibility, but something like that that could compromise a kill, ultimately lead to someone's death, is serious serious stuff, right? So you put it your foot down. Mm. Imagine that agricultural equipment uh, is not lightweight stuff, okay? <clears throat> the casing for a gearbox was cast iron, okay? And it weighted 70 kilos, <laughs> just the casing, okay? Mm. Imagine that you have to put inside all the gears and put, uh, a, I don't know how you, a shaft, mm -hmm. a big shaft, let's say, uh, a couple of meter shaft, also the exterior cast iron and the entire in, inside was, uh, I think it was uh, stainless steel, yeah. plus uh, the uh, ball bearings, ball bearings like that. If you have a second, I'm going to show you. I still have one piece yeah. of this equipment, yeah, yeah. a small piece, but it gives you an idea how rugged this stuff is. Yeah, yeah, sure. So this stuff, this thing, yeah. Weights uh, more or less a couple of kilograms. Sure. Okay? Yeah. If I let it fall on my computer, it's going to destroy it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If there is ever an intruder in my house, this stuff is going to be very, uh, <laughs> very discouraging. Okay? <laughs> this is a ball bearing. Yep. You see? Yep. The diameter of this stuff. So this is a standard, one of the smallest pole bearing you can find in agricultural equipment. Okay. Very small. And I, I am unable to move it because this has been pressed and also the gear here has been pressed with a very powerful press for uh, blocking it. It's almost impossible to take it out. Locked in place, yep. Yeah, yeah, I need uh, special equipment, uh, heavy equipment to do that. And I don't have it in my home. <laughs> <laughs> but just just to understand, this is because when you are working land, anything can happen. Mm. Yes. Just look at the teeth of this stuff, how thick they are. Yeah. This is required uh, in agriculture because uh, when you are working land, you can... Uh, um, step into a big stone mm. Mm? Mm. and the equipment uh, shouldn't break or um, some kind of strange mud. Everything can happen on the field when you are in this situation. You will never find uh, some uh, uh, teeth like that on a car. It's impossible. That's too big. Sure. You'll find many smaller. Okay. This is thick and very, very big. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I can say. So when you work in this environment, everything in the factory, everything is dangerous. Mm. Everything. If uh, if a box of ball bearings uh, uh, falls on your feet, uh, you're going to the hospital directly. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No problem. And uh, the uh, the hydraulic press that you use there, 
you measure the 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 the, uh, the force in tens of tons. Yeah. Not, wow. Uh, not kilos. Not not pounds. Not <laughs> kilos. Ten of tons. Wow. Uh, it, it's a dangerous place. Mm. So if you don't work according uh, to some, uh, uh, how can I say, reasonable safety measures, people are going to be uh, hurt. Mm-hmm. And it happens. Even if you have certain safety measures in place, uh, two weeks before I, I, uh, I uh, resigned, someone got his finger cut off in the other company. Wow. Which is... Uh, this is normal for these kind of companies. It's yeah. not strange. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So, I tell you this, it depends on in which field you, you are working. Okay. If you are working in uh, um, tourism, this won't happen. It's mm. not possible. Okay. It's very, very, very uncommon. Mm. If you work, uh, I don't know, in uh, trucking, it's very dangerous. If you are a truck driver, you, you have a dangerous situation, of course. Yeah. It depends on the context. But I guess it, it's also like the context that you were working in, yes, these, these dangers, it almost seems like the culture that it was, and I'm sure there's pressures to produce and to increase profits and, and these things. It doesn't. It doesn't make it okay to put people's lives at risk, and then seemingly the the next job you you mentioned, the one you enjoyed, you worked there I think for ten years, where you were doing the you, you shared the example about the the box and simulating the trains and and really enjoying going to work each and every day. Sounded like maybe there's less things there that are life threatening, if if anything, but the culture there maybe was a lot better as well, because. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in like the energy that you're getting off people. You lasted eight months at that job. They were threatening ultimately, seemingly, you know, people's lives. And then you go to another company, you last 10 years. I would love for you to, to share maybe what the culture was like at that job because the work you were doing sounded fun. But yeah, what was the culture like there? It, it's, I think it's a match about personality, my personality, your personality, and the environment in which you work. Mm. So for a personality like mine, I am curious. I get bored easily, very mm. easily. And if I don't have uh, some puzzle to tackle, uh, it's uh, I'm going to die. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So in, in an environment where you are a consultant, about technical stuff. Uh, what I could uh, expect was to have uh, a new project more or less every th- six months. Okay? Mm. So something completely different. So I told you I, I worked on, on this simulator for the train. Mm. Actually, in the end, I made three, uh, three mm. train simulators. Nice. The first one, I think the company paid one million. Wow. The second one, half million. The third, uh, 400, more or less. Mm-hmm. was true stuff. And um, I also worked on telecommunication, uh, also in railway. But for instance, I worked on uh, uh, medical monitors for doctors. Yeah. Uh, black and white, specialized 
with a range of uh, different uh, black and white shades that was uh, around uh, 66,000. Okay. They think that the eye can see 150, not more. Okay. So I did a, a system for calibrating this monitor to enhance at the maximum the perception for the doctor to uh, look at uh, X-rays and images of X-rays, uh, enhancing its ability to uh, discern the uh, distinguish the different parts of the image. Mm -hmm. But I also did uh, home automation, like uh, what we call today uh, domotics. Mm -hmm. Stuff uh, that nobody did before. And this is uh, super exciting because I started I, with no knowledge of the field. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing about medical imaging, zero, okay, nothing at all. Yeah. At the end of the project, I, I knew everything about uh, this specific type of uh, of medical imaging. Everything. It's a, it's a joy. Absolutely, it's a, every day is a discovery. You make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's and you're like you're even in your recounting it, your face, you're lighting up. Obviously, a, a joyous period of your life. Is it right then? that ends and then the financial crash happens you have a young daughter you're you know in a in a rough period you also shared because it was your girlfriend at the time i think you said you you later married your wife my wife now your wife now so that first job when you when you get sacked or leave after eight months you're with her and you say you know i've you know, just this is this has happened, and now, ten years later, almost, you are about to or have have a young daughter, six months old. I think you you said. So, could you maybe talk to me about yeah your your family life? How did you how did you meet your your wife? You've been with her a, a long time, I I think, by the sounds a of it. A long time. Yeah. A very long time. Uh, more than twenty six years. Wow. So my wife, first of all. Is nine years older than me. Wow. Which is strange. <laughs> and uh, when I met her, it's quite a story because I was still in the university and I was so happy because I could uh, nail down a very, very tough uh, exam, very mm. tough one. Absolutely very, very tough. It was a real milestone. Mm. It was uh, the starting of the summer. So I set myself out in the bar, uh, Italian pub, outside with an umbrella over me, a big beer and a nice book. <laughs> I was reading and enjoying my time. I, my program was to drink uh, six, uh, seven beers and uh, finish the book. Okay. <laughs> I, I was free. Okay. I was free. It was done. Okay. Okay. But uh, while I was enjoying my time, at the table ne ne next to me, there was this Italian woman and another guy were making an awful noise, mm. laughing, uh, talking loud, uh, being uh, bored and so on. I couldn't read. I couldn't enjoy my beer. So I told to myself, uh, look, uh, if you can't beat them, uh, make them your friends. So I went there. I said, hey, hello, uh, I am Hugo. Who are you? And so on. So it turned out that uh, 
One of them was my actual now my wife, and the other one was uh, someone who was uh, um, who was trying uh, to uh, get out with my wife. Okay, he was uh, uh, also an engineer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my wife didn't like him so much, so she was happy that I uh, got into the stuff, but the guy not so much. <laughs> <laughs> So I had uh, a couple of beers with them. And then uh, she said, uh, look, Hugo, you are, uh, how can you say that? Uh, uh, I enjoyed my time with you. Uh, you're uh, an interesting person. Uh, uh, to this evening, I have friends at home. Uh, they are invited to eat in my house. Uh, but if you want tomorrow, I throw a party at home. And you are invited. Uh, we start at nine. Mm. Okay. I said, okay, why not? So, the day after, I went to her home with a nice bottle of white wine, some flowers, okay? At uh, quarter past nine, I ring uh, the door, she opens, and uh, with uh, a friend of hers, she says, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, look, uh, you told me to come yesterday. Oh, it's early. Uh, people are going to get here uh, at uh, 11. said, what, 11? This is PM, so, 11 PM. Yeah, PM, PM. Wow, late starters, partiers. Yeah, yeah. So that night, in the house where I am now, now, there were 100 people. Okay, mm. it's a small house, 100 people. In the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, on the terrace, everywhere. Music strong music <laughs> impossible to work without bumping into someone full of drinks uh whiskey wine beer um campa everything yeah and the, the music super loud super loud beautiful i was thinking to myself this girl she's crazy <laughs> never seen something like that mm. and um um I think at 1 a.m., more or less, we crossed in, in all this, uh, this uh, disaster. And she told me, ah, Hugo, uh, you know, I invited you, but uh, be careful because uh, you should not uh, uh, misinterpret it, okay? I said, in what sense? Don't misinterpret it. And I told her, in the sense that I want to have sex with you? She said, yes, don't worry. <laughs> But after that, what happened? That my wife had a, an incredible social life. She knew everybody in Milan, mm. everybody. So she came, uh, she was uh, coming back from uh, work with her bicycle. I was drinking my beer because I was done with my university stuff and summer was beginning. Yeah. And she would say, ah, Hugo, you know, we are going uh, there. You want to come? And I went with her. So one week, two weeks, three weeks. Uh, at the third week, uh, uh, we fell in love. So that, that's the story, more or less. Wow. Going around, partying like crazy. Yeah. At the end, we fell in love. And uh, we went on partying like that for, I think, seven years, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, wow. And in the house that you're in now, so did she already own yeah. that house? Was that her family's house? Yeah, yeah. It was her own house. Wow. Hers. Amazing. Her house. 
That's a cool story, man. Thank you for sharing that. Nine years older as well. So you you were what yeah. mid twenties? You twenty? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, more or less. Yes, yes, mid twenties. I mean, you said yourself that's a bit uncommon, but there's you know sometimes age gaps between are maybe more common for men to be older than than the woman. How did you think at the time? Did obviously obviously it didn't bother you? Not at all. Everybody was bothered but me. <laughs> but but you and her probably, hey? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. And now we are married. I married her two months ago. Two months ago? Yes, after more than 20, I don't know how many years. Yeah. Wow, congratulations. What, um, why, why the 20, why the 25 years until you got married? Any reason why you so, waited? No, every time we wanted to marry, okay, if you mean, come on, we, we marry. Yes, yes, let's do it, okay, we organize everything. When we started doing that, the shit hit the fan. <laughs> the first, I think the first time was when I was fired. Yeah. Okay, everybody's happy, okay, the, the baby is coming, my daughter, everything, okay, we get married. Yeah, very well, but let's do it. I got fired. So <laughs> I, I didn't marry her, to say. <laughs> and other, other times, always it happens like that. I think I, I tried at least uh, a couple of, three times. This was the third, yeah. third time I tried. But when I say I tried, means that I went with all the documents at the municipality yeah. and do everything. And when it's time to organize uh, the, uh, the wedding with uh, uh, invites and the restaurant and all, we had to stop. Yeah, right. And so. Because you, you guys sound like you like to party, or at least you used to like to party, hey? <laughs> I, st I still enjoy that. You know, the, the, the marriage was a huge uh, success, mm. and I found myself uh, being uh, the, uh, uh, the, the future husband. I did the DJ, and mm. I also shot the movie of the marriage. You? Yeah, myself. While while I was, uh, it was my party, <laughs> and it was great, great, absolutely great, great, excellent. So you were the, the DJ, and had. you shot a video of the wedding. Not a video, uh, a, a ton of footage. I still have it there to edit. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Amazing, multi multi talented human. Incredible. <laughs> Look, you you do what you need to do. That's it. Yeah, beautiful. So then, what what has life been like with with your wife? You mentioned you you had a, a daughter who, by my calculations, might be thirteen. She's teenager? she's thirteen. Yeah, 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 thirteen. How has life been like living with these two these two women for you? Look, uh, with my wife, uh, we are a great team. We um, we disagree a lot. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of discussions. We have a completely different character. Uh, she's, uh, I used to say that she has uh, a nuclear battery uh, in, at the place of her heart <laughs> because she's so energetic, mm. full of energy. I never seen a woman with this, this level of energy. Mm. Look, really, um, she has this, uh, the, the, the funny thing is that uh, she lits up, she doesn't wake up, she lits up, like uh, you switch uh, uh, the light on, 
and then she she switch, uh, switches off. There's no no middle ground. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Either she's a one hundred percent charged or zero. No no middle ground. Okay. Mm. I myself uh, I. I have a hard time w- waking up because I think uh, that I, I am more comfortable during the night than in the morning. Yeah. I think I am. Uh, I have uh, an uh, yes, a, an old uh, uh, chronotype. That's the correct word. Okay. I have an old chronotype, and she is the opposite. Mm. She is a lot into action. So uh, you find her doing gym, uh, building stuff, destroying stuff. Uh, she's able to break anything. So anything that uh, you think is unbreakable, give it to Philomena and you will learn that it's not unbreakable. What about the ball bearing? You give her that, Philomena? <laughs> no, she never touches it. This is stuff that she doesn't touch, but I am confident that she can break it. She can do that. Or Amazing. use it to break something else. Anyway. <laughs> and this is connected to her powerful, overwhelming energy she's got. Mm. Enormous. I am not uh, made this way. Mm. I am a uh, um, more reflective person. I am strong physically, but I, I am more into, how can I say? Mm. I don't have this burst of energy that she's got sure so we we compensate uh, a lot yeah nice and uh, in managing our daughter uh, it's like if our daughter had uh, two moms okay because uh, we were interchangeable uh, in in this uh, situation mm. and still now it's like that so we are really 50 50 in more or less everything yeah, yeah. Today, for instance, uh, I uh, I own the uh, beddings. Okay. Yeah, it's normal mm. for me. Who who's your daughter more like? Would you say she she take after your your wife's energy? Mm. She a bit more I don't know, seemingly like steady, like you. What do you think? Uh, I think uh, she's more like me. On some on some things, she is uh, uh, thoughtful, uh, synthetic like I am. My my one of my best qualities is the power of synthesis. Mm-hmm. Can condense stuff uh, into uh, small bits uh, yeah. that contain everything. And uh, on the other side, uh, she can she is also able to burst with energy when she wants. Mm. So she sleeps till late, but when something is not uh, in uh, aligned with her will, she's going to to make a mess. It's uh, very hard to discuss with her. <laughs> Brilliant, but uh, unbridable. Okay, it's very hard to to contain uh, yeah. my daughter. Very it's hard. awesome. It's what I think kids should be at that age. It's good. See, I, I appreciate that because uh, uh, like uh, both of us, myself and my wife, uh, she's not uh, so uh, into authority. Mm. So she questions stuff. Mm. She questions stuff uh, and it's not easy 
to make her have this reverence for authority. It's interesting, like, I mean, we, get, we just come off the last few years of some interesting times here in, I mean, I, I talk, I haven't been out of Melbourne really, uh, but I've seen maybe things in, in Italy, lockdowns, uh, you know, around the world. There's even things going on right now. I have family in Holland, you know, people pushing back against authority. I almost feel like, you know, having having that in your spirit is something that is a natural thing, you know, wanting to push back against authority in some ways, maybe maybe not for everyone, maybe more for, for boys and girls. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. Being, being a man myself, but, you know, you and, and you would know, you know, living with your wife or, you know, your partner for, for that long, your wife now, and, and you've got, you know, a young daughter of 13 who, as you say, maybe, you know, pushes back against authority and questions things, the curiosity, it's good. The ability to ask it's questions, good. we need it. I feel like school in some cases and, and, and modern society pushes against that and it's uh you know we need it we need curious minds we need that and we need people who are true to them to themselves mm. look you can get uh, some uh, footage of myself and my wife protesting in milan mm. against yeah. mandates we yeah. need that and uh it was not uh, uh how can i say uh uh, it was not easy at all because there were a, a lot of cops, a lot, a lot of angry cops. Yeah. And uh, we marched, I think, for uh, six hours in, in Milano. Wow. To the city. Yeah. Amazing. I went uh, to the uh, uh, building where the Italian television is and uh, made a siege around the Italian television. It was... Uh, very tough, you know, uh, heightened spirits. Um, yeah. Uh, we left the, the the daughter at home. Yeah. And we told her, look, uh, dad, uh, mom are going uh, to protest to this stuff. Please stay at home. If you don't uh, hear from us uh, tomorrow morning, uh, it means that we are uh, in uh, to to the com with uh, with the cops. <laughs> Have a good night. Give her some money for dinner, and off you go. No, so look, She's I fine. have also had friends uh, in case of emergency take care of her, but we didn't take her uh, in the protest with us. But uh, Smart. it was nasty. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, similar things happened here in Melbourne. Uh, can't say I marched for six hours at one point, but maybe over the course of a few protests, various weeks, totaled six. Six hours, got pepper sprayed in the face by some angry police at one point, broke a, broke a police line. Not that I went there for violence or anything. It was, yeah, to, to share my disagreement with the lockdowns and the mandates and all of a sudden an inability to choose. Interesting that you did the same. Was there many, like how many people would you estimate in Milan? Because these things weren't, they weren't broadcast on the TV. Here in the Australia. revolution won't be televised. Mm. No way. And uh, in um, I am going to, to, in the next days, share the footage. But uh, the queue of people was so long, so long, 
that it took 10 minutes from start to end to pass. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And we blocked uh, uh, the cars everywhere. The mayor of Milan was uh, exasperated because uh, he said that uh, people could not go shopping, cars could move, uh, and so on. Mm-hmm. It was very tough. Uh, some people got uh, seriously hurt, seriously hurt uh, the protesters, not the cops. Mm. Because I can tell you during the protest, not only a piece of paper was found on the ground. Mm. No, no, nobody sprayed with, uh, with uh, paint anything. So it was absolutely. And in Italy, the law at one point prohibited to, to do the protest. And we did it anyway. Of course. But it was prohibited by law and only only the protests against the mandates. All the others were okay. Mm. And not one minute of footage went on TV. Nowhere. <sighs> yeah, when you think about that, it's like, this can't just be about health. It has to be about something else, right? And in listening to you, you know, in this whole conversation, you sharing your story you could have just gone along in that first job with what the boss was telling you to do. And if you had have not been curious and not thought for yourself, maybe someone dies and you still get sacked, but someone's died. But you had the courage, the bravery to say no at that time and stick up for what you thought was right. And in the same case, doing that now. And it's not to say that you're 100% right or I'm 100% right for protesting, but... No, not at all. But you have to have that choice. It's humanity. You have to have... That's a human right. You know what? You must be free to make your mistake. Mm. Okay? The mistake is mine. The skin in the game is mine. It's mine. It's mm. not others. So I want to be able to make my mistake. This uh, in, uh, in our society is possible. If you want to go in the street and rob a bank, you do it. Once you have done it, the cops are coming for you. Okay? But first, uh, you must have robbed the bank. Mm-hmm. I did not do anything strange. I just thought uh, that... Uh, uh, for uh, um, protecting people from a disease, it is correct to do many things. Many things. Mm. One of the things uh, is uh, provide uh, a cure mm. and uh, also spend time, money, encourage uh, doctors uh, to try to find uh, some way to cure the disease. But what I have witnessed in my point of view, personal point of view, is that these uh, efforts to find a way to, for instance, uh, repurpose uh, drugs, which there have been many efforts, uh, mm. have been shut down. And my thinking may be wrong, but in general, I am wrong where. You know, yeah, I know that I'm wrong, that I don't get it all right, mm. but in general, I am wrong where. I think that these, all these efforts were shot down for two main reasons. 
First reason is that if you repurpose a drug, it's old, there's no patent, nobody's going to earn money. Mm. Mm. The drug must be new, new and freshly patented. And the second reason is if there is a cure for something and you are trying to mandate uh, a vaccination to people and the cure is there, there's no no uh, legal, uh, how can I say, reason to mandate. Mm. You can't do it. If there is a possible cure, then the mandate makes uh, almost no sense. But what do you, what can we say? I, I had... I did my choice. My choice was uh, um, aligned with my values mm -hmm. because I would never, ever eat something that is genetically modified. Mm. This is, for me, my, my point of view mm. on food, on animals, on, is that this stuff is too dangerous. Yeah. Okay? This yeah. is my point of view. I am wrong, but I think I am wrong well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, since uh, look in Italy, we have uh, so much good produce that there's no reason to genetically modify it. So also, uh, there's uh, the opportunity isn't there. Mm. But anyway, the idea to let someone, a nerd, okay, encode some instructions uh, in a strand of uh, genetic material, put it into my body, and instruct my cells to execute those instructions. For me, this is uh, unacceptable. Mm. Unacceptable. It's tough that th this is the first reason why I thought, no, I'm never going to get vaccinated. Never. Mm. At least not with this stuff. You want to make a vaccine with an unactivated virus, uh, a live virus, okay. But genetic code, no way. No way. You are not mm, transforming my cells into a pharma factory. No way. No, not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. This was my first thought. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, in hindsight, so this is easy. Okay. It's easy. It's the first choice that is hard because you don't know. Maybe you are an idiot. and uh, <laughs> Yes. And you are going to die because of your choice. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. You know, Italy was one of the first country to get hit by COVID. Yeah. And uh, still, I think we have the record of the most death uh, for uh, one million people of the planet. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It, I, it, I don't, I was not thinking that this was a joke because the, uh, uh, the cemetery that is behind my house was closed because of too many bodies. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This happened only once before in history. It was at the end of World War World War II. Never yeah. happened before and <clears throat> after. Okay. Mm. So it's a serious situation. Anyway, in hindsight, this uh, vaccination didn't uh, I can say didn't deliver because it didn't protect people from getting this uh, disease. Yeah. And so all the reasons for saying uh, protect the others are totally null now. There's no, 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 no support for this. And the rest, uh, I would grade this pharmaceutical product as shitty because uh, it's not working.
that's it. Not, it's not that hard uh, to uh, give uh, such, um, such an evaluation. Mm. Mm. Well done on making that decision for you and being true to your values. And you say, yeah, hindsight is easy. It's, it definitely wasn't easy at the time, was it? So I was, I was, uh, how can I say, I wasn't, uh, um, I was thinking about uh, doing something about vaccinating myself uh, against the disease mm. until I discovered uh, that it worked with this uh, uh, genetic code. Mm. When I discovered that, I said, no, look, this is uh, no way for me. Something else, uh, okay, like uh, Sinovax, okay, the Chinese uh, vaccine is doesn't work this way it's parts of the virus which are uh, inside and uh, simply the body recognizes this as uh, foreign and that's it it's not some genetic code that uh, is uh, inserted into your cells it's a different thing yeah but here in italy it's impossible to have it you can't have uh, neither sinovax nor the Russian one, which actually works like the, the uh, Western ones, mm. uh, but only the three uh, from the US and that's it, US and Germany. There you go. Well, thank you for that bit of education. I wasn't expecting that when I was jumping on this call this morning, but good to, <laughs> good to know. I've mentioned it on a few, a few episodes recently, but yeah, I, I decided not to get the, the vaccine. I just felt... I wasn't like I'm not an engineer. I, I don't have that sort of mind like like you do. So I wasn't I wasn't researching and looking into things like that. But for me, I went I went okay. Well, how can I be healthier? I still, you know, like like you mentioned, you know, with the with the cemetery being full, first time it's happened since the, the Second World War. You know, I was taking it seriously. I I wasn't. I wasn't being stupid about it, but when I started to see more examples of disrespect, essentially towards uh, how, what's the best way to say this? There was just rules, rules for some, and then the the same rules didn't apply to more elite people. So, like the sports, the sports here in Australia still continued. I wasn't allowed to go across a border. I had a 10k radius in my house, or I think it was even less, five kilometer radius. But the footballers were able to travel across the border and go from playing in a stadium to being with their family to then going to another stadium the week later. And that's when it really, for me, was like, this isn't about health. It's not, it's about money. And it's about, yeah, I think, you know, you're sure the vaccine is free for for us to go and get but the government each governments are paying these these big pharmaceutical companies so anyway that was just my decision personally people have their own their own reasons to do it and to not i don't have problems a lot of my friends i believe i don't ask people because it's not really my business to know if people are vaccinated or not but i think most of my friends are which is fine. I have, I still have a lot of friends who aren't, and I don't think any more or less of people. But it's interesting that, yeah, the the way it's been set up in the world, and and even the fact that yeah, mandates, the protesting of the mandates, sorry, weren't broadcast, and these things for me confirmed that 
it it isn't about health in the long run. It was fishy, and it still is. Uh, there's a big uh, question mark, I think, over this stuff. Mm. I can tell you here in Italy, people, um, when I go to the supermarket or I take public transport, I put my mask on, okay? Mm. Not uh, uh, freedom for freedom, okay? If there is even a tiny chance of me having the virus and getting into a supermarket and giving it to someone, look, I don't want to do that, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is my way of thinking. On the other side, uh, I am also very transparent with everybody, everybody, and I say it because I know that people, there are people who don't, uh, uh, can't think about having to, to, to do with someone who is not vaccinated, they, uh, they, they fear that, okay? So I tell them, I tell my customers, I tell other people, people know that mm. because I want to be transparent, I don't want to, to hide, okay? Yeah. And also, it's a great filter, okay? <laughs> People who react badly to that, okay, I'm sorry. We are not going to, to have any relationship. That's it. Mm. But I have relationships with people who are twice, three times, four times vaccinated with no issue. My father, my mother are vaccinated, my brothers. So this for me is, is not a big deal. It's more a big deal for others, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> understand that <laughs> but uh, what can i say in the end uh, it, the, the the planet the world i live in uh, i think uh, that after 2020 i can't uh, recognize it anymore i think that uh, there are some principles and values that should have been uh, cornerstone like the fact that you don't compel people to take any drug of any kind, even indirectly. This is simply morally wrong to me. Mm. But what, uh, what can I do? I go out and protest when is the moment. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. And I think live, live a life of your values and, and it seems like you, you very much are. And I have a lot of respect for that, you know, still being able and and the being transparent that idea it's it's really good it definitely shows where people are at if yeah people can't respect your opinion and and vice versa then yeah you probably shouldn't have a, a relationship working professional whatever friendship it's good mm. of course uh, you pay a price mm. there's the price to pay but when i wake up and I go to work and I do my stuff. I am happy. I'm not worried. I'm happy. Mm. My spirit is clean. I'm clean with people. And you can feel it. And now when I'm talking to you, you see. Mm. I'm transparent. I'm not hiding anything. Just want to have a good time with you. <laughs> it's a good way to live. This has been a fun conversation, Hugo. I appreciate your time. I've got a few more questions, if that's okay. I know it's getting late there for you. I think like 11, 11 p.m. Don't now. Worry. That's when yeah, you. That's when you should have yeah. got to the party there all those years ago. 11 p.m. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome, mate. Completely changing topics now, but you you mentioned you know the the productivity and the creativity that you you have now in your life, and 
I see a lot of it on Twitter. You've got this wheel, this circle almost. It's definitely a circle, but almost like a wheel where you've got, yeah, the, the, the I, I guess, a way to set up and, and plan a day. Could you explain that and how you maybe now or have throughout your life tried to structure your day and your time to, to live optimally and creatively? So the, these uh, circles that you see in my stuff that you can see on Twitter actually is a way of uh, making a step further in uh, time management uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. This uh, system is not fit for every kind of job. It's not like that. Mm. It's fit for people who have some autonomy in managing their job or in doing their stuff. If you are someone who has a job that is driven by, I don't know, uh, by uh, bureaucracy, okay? <laughs> have to stamp something, okay? This won't work, it's not useful, okay? Mm. It is useful for those people who have a little bit of autonomy with their time and the added concept uh, is feedback. Mm. Because what you see in, in many tools that you can use uh, for uh, organizing yourself, uh, planning and stuff like that, uh, is that in general you plan, but you never record uh, how you spent your time, okay? Mm. So what happens to people that learn this stuff? I, I teach that in companies now, I, I did this in a, in an important bank uh, in Italy last month, uh, and I'm going to do it in September again, and so on, is if you can see what's the difference between how you planned your day and how it turned out, you learn. Mm. There's no other way to learn. You can't learn if you have zero feedback. It's impossible. Mm. So the issue with the to-do list is, yes, it helps you remember what, what you wanted to do. But it, at the end of the day, when you look at uh, all the stuff that you ruled out, you can't understand if uh, task three uh, took three hours or three minutes. I literally, it's amazing you're explaining this. I do this every night. I write what I plan to do the next day and I scratch off as I go. I have something on the, in, on the computer as well that I refer to, but I like to visually see it, but and not to cut you off, but it's very interesting that you're explaining this method because n most days I only get maybe half of the things done. Still good day. Like yesterday okay. I had a great day. Got a lot okay. of good things done, but I look at my list and there's probably four or five important, I think important things for me that didn't get done. I just didn't have the time and I was pretty productive. So maybe I'm underestimating or overestimating you, what I can do. No, this is normal. Yeah. Uh, humans are optimistic. <laughs> it's normal yes um, during the day stuff happens uh, your sister calls you uh, the uh, the bicycle breaks down stuff like that mm. it's perfectly normal but if you don't have uh, something that helps you match what you plan with what you actually do you're going to over plan every day mm. and this is going to be exhausting why because you're always going to be dissatisfied with your day. You don't manage your energy, which you need every day. You need energy every day. If you waste your energy because you go 
too too uh, how can I say you go too much all in in one day you can do it one day two days three days this is okay if you have an emergency if you have to build a house because you have a family please go uh, work uh, 20 hours a day it's okay mm. but when it's finished you stop because if you go on this way it's unsustainable you're going to to uh, wear yourself out mm. so this stuff about the circles it tells you the day before to plan what you want to do and also to state what's the most important thing of the day. Mm. One, only one thing is the most important, okay? And you are going to write what it is, why you want to do it, and what is the expected good outcome for you. This is going to clarify why this is the most important thing of the day mm. and you are going to get it done. But the process is more at the end of the day. Check out your circles and think what went wrong. Because you're going to be wrong. Everybody is wrong. What's important is to be wrong well. Okay? Do good mistakes. Good mistakes are mistakes that let you learn. So the mistake is not so big to be a disaster. It's still a mistake, but you learn from it. And if you do that every day and you check between what you've planned and what you've done, at some point in time, you have learned. Mm. And you are going to see that you're going to plan and more or less do exactly what you have planned, which is something rewarding. You end the day, you say, okay, I got my most important thing done. Yes, well done. I got my stuff done, uh, even if uh, something uh, was uh, not as I planned. Yes. And you end the day like that. Mm. I had, in my experience in uh, helping people with this stuff uh, on the job, there are people who plan too much stuff. And they tell me, look, Ugo, you know what I learned from my, uh, your system is that I plan too much stuff. When I try to, to draw it, it doesn't fit. Mm. It's impossible to make this stuff fit. Doesn't. So I now I am uh, more cool about it. I understand that I have 24 hours in a day, and the, the planner is for 24 hours, not uh, only the job time. Sure. And uh, I have to allocate it uh, wisely. So at the end of the day, what's important is to be. Uh, conscious and know what you are doing you when you um, acquire consciousness about what you are doing what you want to do and what is reasonable and what not you are making a big uh, leap forward mm. it's going to help mm. also at the bottom you will find that i have put some small dials Mm. To write your energy inside, your creativity, and your emotions, mm -hmm. and your weight. Because this is the rest of what I teach that cannot fit in there. Mm. Is that you have to take care of your body in order to have enough energy during the day. Take care of your emotions in order to be in the good mood for doing stuff. 
deliberately, not by chance. <laughs> and that uh, you also need to have uh, space for being creative, for expressing yourself. And so at the end of the week, you can check out uh, all your days and say, okay, now this week, how did it go? Where did I get? What did I do wrong? But you can learn only if you have recorded what you did. Mm. That's it. Love it, mate. Not a big, not a big concept, but uh, no, I think it's, it's very different. Well, you say not a big concept, but if it's going to be, if it's going to be workable, it has to be simple in a lot of ways and visually. Like I'm looking at the the website now, but it's got yeah, you know, two two circles, one smaller one, and I think it says actual as the outer circle and planned as the inner circle. So yeah, thank you for for sharing the the idea behind that. I'm I'm definitely gonna look into it. I'm guessing you can buy these planners on your website or no, get them it's or free. Oh, you no, just download no, it. It's free. Okay. You can yes, and also. What I do is I don't ask your email for that. <laughs> so you go. You don't want my email? Page. You don't You don't, You don't. don't want my email? What's this? No, for people, <laughs> for everybody. Of course, of course. So <laughs> someone uh, falls on my uh, website. Yeah. You When you click download, it's going to download. That's it. Yeah. Beautiful. And there is also a small uh, book of instructions on how to use it uh, that explains how to, to use this stuff. Amazing. Well, I know that I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out because the other thing that I do try to do every day, yeah, is, is journal. Not that this will replace journaling, but... Well, of course. Sharing, you know, and, and yeah, trying to plan a bit better is, I think, a very, a very smart thing to do. And interesting because this book, I am on... I literally have like one page left. <laughs> one page left of what I use. Hugo, this is like the universe telling me this is the next thing you need to use. Beautiful, beautiful timing. So thank you. <laughs> what was that? Thank you. In, oh, Italian. in Italian. Grazie. Beautiful. So this has been a really fun conversation, mate. I want to ask you a final few questions but before I get to what I normally ask people at the end of uh, a podcast, I can't let you go without you sharing a little bit about your love for coffee. Jody, who introduced us, would probably kill me if we didn't at least speak about it. On Twitter, we were talking before, you know, eight or nine hours ago, there was a bit of interaction between the three of us. I paid, yeah, about six euros, $8.60 for a cup of a cup of coffee here, latte on the weekend in a in a expensive area of of Melbourne is near the beach, but I don't drink coffee normally. I just drink tea, but I go to this beach most Sunday mornings and I paid like six dollars for a cup of fucking tea. That's so I'm crazy. like, I'm not paying for tea. I'll pay for a coffee, and the coffee was obviously a little bit more expensive. Um, but I'm guessing you don't you 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 brew it at home. You make it at home. There's an art. There's a creativity make to it. it. At home. Yeah, it, it's not uh, rocket science. <laughs> I ha yeah, yeah. I have a, a special mocha pot that has a, um, a, a feature that is interesting. So it makes uh, the cream on the top. Mm -hmm. So which in general at home, as 
you have uh, an espresso machine or it's impossible. And this is a nice, a nice thing. And it has all a story, but uh, we don't have the time now to, to explain the whole story. Sure. What I want to tell you is, if you don't drink coffee usually, don't do it. Simply, it's not your thing. Huh? I yeah. was joking today with uh, Jody of about uh, being persuasive. But my thinking is, there are stuff that are aligned with you. There is stuff that is aligned with you. Do that. Mm. Don't, don't drink coffee. It's not your thing. Drink tea. Yes. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to be offended by that. It's great. Of course. It's great that we are different. Uh, it's not bad. Very true. You well, can still uh, watch uh, the videos on uh, on Twitter about my coffee brewing and um, find it interesting or not. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> but that's it. Drink, drink tea. Don't drink coffee anymore. It's too expensive. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, mate. Well, I, I had a cup of tea this morning. In uh, It was lemon lemongrass and ginger tea. And I don't know if you can see this. I'm not sure if you're a football fan, so you you, you probably can't see it. You might not really no, appreciate it, but I'm this not is a football player. No, I'm so, not a football fan at all. Well, you I might played rugby when I was younger, so I don't watch football. Oh, rugby. Okay. Well, I'm a Liverpool supporter. Liverpool. Ah. You may remember beat AC Milan. You're from. Hmm? You live in Milan, so yeah. I assume you probably know. You know the black and the black and red stripes. <clears throat> So that's the black and red because this is a this is a mug to commemorate the win in Istanbul in the final nice. in two thousand five. So nice, nice, that was my first final. So congratulations for winning the match. <laughs> an ode, an ode to you and to continue drinking tea. I hope that puts a smile on Jody's face. I look forward yes. to uh, to catching up with her at some point later this year and maybe even meeting you one day over in over in Italy or if you decide to come to Australia. Would be great. I'd love to come to Australia. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. If we'd, my we'd love plans to have you. go up, go as I, I would like it, uh, it's very possible. Beautiful, mate. Well, I'll jump into the final question. This has been a fun conversation. I would love to know from you advice that you might give to your younger self. And before I get that answer, I'll explain a little bit of the context. I have you know done probably 90 interviews now on my podcast but really why it started was because I listened to these very big famous podcasts you might have listened to Joe Rogan maybe heard of Tim Ferriss these were some of the ones for me five six years ago that I loved and they would ask a a podcast question a cliche question which was what advice would you give to your younger self so I to my younger self uh I would say that uh, be more anxious. One of my defects uh, is that I am super cool. <laughs> I am really cold-handed, okay? But that's not good because anxiety is there for a reason. Mm. It helps you take action, okay? It's a feeling that's there. If you don't move, you have anxiety, you're going to be very uncomfortable. The best way to get rid of anxiety is to act, do something. It's its purpose, okay? So in the past, maybe I should have been more anxious. Amazing. 
I appreciate that, man. It's uh, an interesting take on on anxiety, but I I I love that. I think yeah, without it, on, it only builds if you don't take action. So yeah, it's a good thing in a sense. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Is there anything else before we go? Would you like to let people know where they can reach out and contact you if they would like to like to hear more from you? So what I would uh, like to say to people is, uh, please, enjoy your life. Have fun and uh, do great things because we need more people that do great things as a collective, as a planet. <laughs> Don't fear doing great things. Do what you can. Mm. That's it. For the rest, I am happy. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, mate. Well, thank you so much for your your time today, your your knowledge, your shared wisdom. I really appreciate it. I'll put a. I'm a normal dude, as you say. I interview normal people. I am a normal dude. Yeah. One hundred percent. Thank you. You're a great dude. You're a great. You're a great person. Really appreciate. Yeah, talking to you this morning, this evening for you. I'll put a few links in the show notes so that people maybe can find you on Twitter um, and check out your websites. But I really appreciate your time today, mate. So thank you. And there it is, another episode of The Hope Initiative. Thank you again to Ugo for the time. I really enjoyed editing this one back and having the conversation, mate. It was an absolute pleasure. I have had an incredibly productive few weeks since uh since the conversation so thank you for that thank you to jody habrad for the introduction i haven't taken up drinking coffee despite i think having paid yeah some exorbitant amounts in the past few weeks i definitely need to get a thermos but guys as always if you've enjoyed this conversation i would love for you to share it with a family member friend someone you think will get some value out of it and until next time keep on creating your life and all the very best